podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by Miff, James and Paddy as we launch our brand new format for the weekly show. Moving forward, the weekly show will now consist of a number of regular features where we'll take a bigger picture look at the major topics and talking points of the moment across all things Celtic. Listeners can still enjoy your regular match content, including pre and post match episodes for every Celtic game over at the Celtic Exchange Plus. And more information on that can be found at the CelticExchange.supercast.com. Our weekly show, however, will now head in an exciting new direction where we'll provide you with a broader perspective on all the key issues at Celtic Football Club. Each week, we'll open the show with a lively debate on a topical question or issue surrounding the club at that time. And this can be anything from player performance to club financials and from the academy to the boardroom. No topic is ever off limits as we discuss the subjects that matter most to anyone with an interest in the club. We'll then be encouraging you, the listener, to join the debate in our listeners' question section where you get to decide the direction of that element of the show by asking us your most important questions that week. And I'll provide more information on exactly how you can do so a wee bit later on in the show. In addition, we'll also be continuing with our mystery self feature for listeners who want to test their knowledge of the heroes that have pulled on the hoops over the years. And finally, we'll finish with a section covering the best of the week in Celtic media as chosen by one of the guys here on the show. Paddy... Some people fear change, but I know a man of your calibre will embrace it. Are you looking forward to the new show? I can't wait to get going, Tino. Sounds great, mate. Good stuff. James, a relaxing weekend for you watching VAR at Tynecastle? Never shouted at my telly as much in a long, <laughs> long time. Um, and I just managed to kind of calm down right for a few beers Saturday night, woke up Sunday, we were hungover, and then listened to your post-match show and I was raging again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brought it all back. Matt was telling me that one of the wee fellas was asking mum why daddy was like this. Only <laughs> <laughs> once a week, twice a week. Yeah. Matt, you're the current champ here in terms of the mystery Celtic. Are you feeling confident for today? Paddy's uh, in the room mind. Yeah. yeah I, I, well, that, that's what I've got to say. Maybe we should, uh, we should fix it so that... Uh, <clears throat> Maybe James gets first guess because oh. I, I think a big man, a big man's got to steamroll it. I think so. We bit tougher this week. I think I've been making it too easy for you lads in recent weeks. So we'll get to that. That's the the second section. But to get things started for today, we've got a, an interesting question that's come up since the weekend, and I'm very keen to hear you lads' thoughts on this one overall. So question is: Following Greg Taylor's match winner on Saturday, is there a lesson there that at times we as fans should show more patience with our players and give them a proper chance to succeed? I'll come to you first, Paddy. I think it just depends on you know the early the early signs of what you've seen from a player. Um, there's a reason we are sitting in the stands watching the game and we're not in the the dugouts. I take that fully into consideration, but I just think that there's a, a lot of players you can kind of see right. You're playing at the peak, you're playing at the height of what you can offer as team, or they're nowhere near it. Um, and you know, obviously, we look at someone like Greg Taylor who myself included a year ago I was saying no he's not good enough he's not good enough but he's bought into the philosophy that Ange has set out and for me probably the only one out of all of our Champions League games this season it gets past marks um, I've seen a lot obviously about other players like you know we could maybe maybe give a, a bit of time off but like a bit of time to sorry um, and to see whether or not they, they hit the same levels as what Taylor has um, my big concern with that is is that this is a team that, albeit we created chances in Europe, we've just not had the killer, the killer edge, and and that's what we need to fix. 
So we need to make sure that we're looking at getting those players in that are correct for that. Yeah, maybe we should stick Taylor up front. The guy's clearly got an eye for goal. <laughs> aye, as, aye. As we've absolutely. seen at the weekend, James Greg Taylor signed for Celtic on the second of September 2019. So three years and a bit, and it's only now that he seems to have been fully accepted by the fans. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, first season wouldn't really count. Last season it was patchy, but I would take into account that he was learning a whole new way to play his position. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a couple of guys before the game on Sunday and I was saying the fullbacks are almost getting to an interchangeable position where you can have Ralph Nodjanovic, you can have Taylor or, or Bernabe. That's maybe uh, Bernabe uh, showed me wrong there. But my point on um, my, my comment on the two of them was that Taylor's better at defending and inverting and Bernabe's better at going past a man and crossing. Taylor came on, defended, inverted, showed up at the back and got his goal. So what a journey he's been on to, to learn his, his trade. And yeah, I, I take the point that, you know, if you'd asked me last season, early doors last season, do you want to buy a new left back and, you know, drop Taylor? I'd have said aye. You know, I would have. The, just to kind of finish my bit on it is that there's two things everyone loves to see Celtic players coming in and developing. There's no fan that doesn't like to see that. But the pressure we're under as, as a club to win every game, progress in Europe, it's, it's double-edged that. Mm-hmm. You can't really, you haven't got a lot of time to have bad games. But, as long as you see a player progressing, I think generally they're supported. Yeah, I mean Celtic are quite unique. I, I would say in the in the the bigger picture in the global game in terms of as you say, James, Celtic drawn is a disaster. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's something that's just not accepted regardless of what what competition you're in. Whereas across most other clubs, you know, worldwide, you get that flexibility to bring guys in, and it's why I suppose guys like Taylor maybe came through at Kilmarnock, you know, and other guys have found success elsewhere before making the move. Matt, obviously you're a huge fan and, you, and you've never hidden your, your admiration of Greg Taylor, but it is fair to say in the, in the point I made to James is, you know, it's taken him two to three years to become an overnight success, if you want to look at it like that way. Those that can see the video can see that I'm doing the Neil Lennon air quotes there, but it's not been a quick fix. I mean, do we need to give every player two or three years? Not necessarily. I, I would reference James's point there around we as a club are very demanding. Supporters are very demanding. That's what drives standards. If we felt it was okay to draw six, seven games in a season, then the players would react accordingly and probably provide you with that. We, we demand that the team wins every game. And when the title races are, are tight, a draw is effectively like a defeat because of three points for a win. So it, it, it's double-edged, as, as James says. It's, it's part of the fabric of the club that we demand so much for the players. In relation to Taylor... I felt that Taylor was, he'd a hard act to follow in Kieran Tierney. He was a Rangers fan. So, you know, those... Do you are really a factor? <laughs> Kenny Douglas, Stan McGrain, you know, over the years, you know, I, I just don't think it's, it's a, a factor. It's a factor when you've you've not come in at the level of the player you're meant to be replacing. I think it's a factor when you come in. It's not It's not just one factor, though. I think it's a whole combination of things. He wasn't the finished article when we bought him. Normally you would expect if somebody like Kieran Tierney who's come through and progressed and just goes straight into the, you know, goes into the first team and develops over what was a hugely successful period for the club, your hope as a fan would be it's going to be plug and play and then you just bring bring somebody in. But it wasn't help with, with Taylor either. Was Taylor was brought in and Paul and Goal was also brought in as well. It just neither of them really seemed to solve the problem and... Ball and goalie himself became a wee bit of a pet of the, the certain element of the Celtic fans that they really, really liked him. And Taylor was then sort of ostracised as, as a result of that. So I think there was many factors that, that involved 
Taylor not not really being rated, but why why is Greg Taylor being almost universally accepted by Celtic fans? He's playing well consistently. The only way to deal with you know any perceived stick that you're getting for the fans is just to give your best and play at a really high level with the help of a coach coming in that understands you know the, the position because Ange himself was a fullback once more from his fullbacks. I think that's why you've seen such an excellent development. Yeah, I would, I would say, sorry to interject, Mark, just last season, even when he wasn't quite at the heights he's at this season, he never had, and he gave 100% every single game, much in the line of Ralston, and that real commitment. So I think that, you know, gives a bit of patience for the fans. You can see he's doing his very best. Sometimes you maybe go, he's doing his very best, and it's maybe not quite enough, but he's got there. Paddy, he's had a COVID uh, to deal with as well. Obviously, that's, you know, happened since he joined the club. So September 2019, as I mentioned. Is it harsh to say as well that, he may not, in fact, I'm going to say he definitely wasn't coached as well under Neil Lennon as he is now under uh, Ange Postacoglu. Uh, no, I don't think it is. I think um, <clears throat> I think we're all in agreement that that was just quite a, you know, a, a, a crazy year. Um, not just for, for our two left-backs, but for, for a full team that were thrown under the bus very, very early in that season from their own manager. Um, and I think also, going back to what Miff's saying, he... He wasn't brought in to be the left-back starter. He was there to back up Bolingoli. Bolingoli was in better money. We had high hopes that we were going to see something from him and then it kind of just it just didn't materialise. But we've only got rid of him in that summer there, you know. And, and we've got rid of him. He's not on loan. I, I hope so. Nah, <laughs> I, hope I mean, so. You, you say COVID was a crazy time, but Bolingoli had a great time. I did. Aye. Obviously, that was to try and look at other clubs. <laughs> um, nothing else. Nothing else. No, I, I just think that for what Taylor has had to come through, and I, I get where you're coming from in the the, the, the Rangers fan side of things, I don't think that that would affect him with his playing, but it would affect the judgment of him. 100% agree with you there. Um, but I have to say that the way it's kind of worked out, he was the only left back last season. So he had the time and... My God, what a hard season to go in and do it because it was a total rebuild as we already know. And then they go and sign, we go and sign Burnaby and, and, and we think, you know, right, this is the challenge, this might be the, the level above that we need. And my God, he's just done, no, that's, that's my jersey, you come and get it, you know. Yeah. And, and I think Burnaby's going to be really good for us. Obviously, we look at we, we look at what happened on Saturday. It's a, it a difficult place to go to, as you mentioned, before we come on with. Um, I think that, he will he will show a lot, but he again is just one of these people that are just going to be pupils of Ange Postecoglou and what he wants to do. And Greg Taylor is is flying at the moment. It also shows you with proper game time and proper exposure. That is the only way for young guys to improve themselves as players. You get so many kids that come through Celtic's academy, and up until now they've not quite been able to bridge the gap. For those who haven't seen it, the Paddy's just dragged just, Miff's water there. That, <laughs> that is against all quite well, a protocol. What a dominating move, man! I'll explain what happened there. My sight has covered my glass. Miff, I'm sorry. I accept your apology. That's like a prison move. Just come over and drink your drink. I accept your apology. I'll be taking a seat next. I was making a point about something, but it's gone now. I'm sorry. Um, No, what I was saying... Playing games. You know, game time and and exposure to top-level football is is so important. And, you know, a lot of these young kids coming through Celtic's academy, they never quite make the leap from academy football where they're, you know, the standout player to being first-teamers for Celtic. And you look at guys like... uh, 
Marcus Fraser and the various guys who end up at like you know Ross Counties and St Mirrens and all these types of clubs. And you've got to mention Ross County. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, being your buddy of the island, end up playing for Ross County. I've, actually, I seen that it was Falkirk Viala, and I think there was yeah, the weekend there, and there was a number of five excels. or six Celtic kids there, yeah. and you're like. Yeah. But then you see the biggest example away from that is the the Andy Robertson who couldn't feature at Celtic, you know, didn't quite make it through, then went to the lower levels, Queen's Park, Dundee United, Hull City, Liverpool, we know the route. And he just got exposed to first team football and that's what made him a better player. He was he was able to play at Queen's Park without any real pressure. Dundee United Hull, you don't have those pressures there. Mm-hmm. And these guys or Andy Robertson is a specific example, was allowed to flourish. Arn Hickey, Liam Henderson as well, more recent examples where I've had to make the move Ewan Henderson to a, a, a similar mm-hmm. degree as well so um, no I, I think that of course we put pressure on the, on the players and I, and I think um, in, in recent cases like so Jack Henry I know Jack Henry was, was bought in but he was, he was bought in young um, and Mikey Johnson the way the demands seem to have wilted them under pressure show that you know, if there is an element of fragility in your, your character, it's going to get brutally exposed, especially at Celtic Park, probably more than anywhere else, because you can just feel that that demand. I mean, I've I, I seen it last season when Johnson came on a sub, you've seen a few times his shoulders Shrinking. just slumped. Yeah. And it's 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 a shame because there is absolutely no doubt of the talent that's within Mikey Johnson, regardless mm-hmm. what anyone thinks about how effective he's been. I, I don't think anyone can doubt. I mean, th- this guy was touted if he was... But 16, 17 year olds playing um, in the, the Champions League, the, the B Champions League games or the Reserve Champions League games uh, is a really, really exciting talent. Burst onto the scene, was really, really effective for Celtic at different times. But just as, to you know, the point you make, when you're just ready to make that leap and be like a permanent fixture in the team, there just seems to be that, just that wee something that's missing to be able to make that leap. There's a difference between being the young guy that gets brought off the bench at times when you can produce a wee bit of magic and then somebody that's relied upon every single week to be consistent and win Celtic games of football. And and it's that difference that seems to catch just a lot of kids out. So, like, obviously, football, if you've, if you've got talent, you've got talent, but it's the mentality side of it that obviously you need to kind of look at there then. So a good example I always think about, we're talking about the, the pressure of Celtic and we're talking about, obviously, with it being a draw, it does feel like a defeat, you know, you're, you're losing ground effectively um, in, a, in a two-way race most seasons. Um, you look at someone, I think the only comparison, I'm not saying we're near the European levels of them, but Bayern Munich is pretty much a, a one-horse league in that sense and they are very, very clever in bringing their youth players through, bedding them in and, and you know, giving them long careers. How, how do they tend to do it then, Paddy? What's the difference? From, from, well, this is what this is what I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to get like the opinion on this. Is that is it a mentality thing? Is it a culture thing? Do we put too much pressure on our younger mm. players when they come through, especially Scottish players? Because uh, there needs to be something there. Well, j- just to to turn that on its head slightly. Most recent example is Anthony Ralston. Mm-hmm. So Ralston had been to St. Johnson and Dundee United. The either of them could have signed him. Mm-hmm. Didn't. You've actually came through the Celtic youth system. You've retained a place in the squad under Rogers, who used them sparingly, but he used them. He used them a wee bit. Aye, he had to when he, he had, had to. to. Aye. Ralston had a change in his own personal circumstances. Where I think it was the birth of his daughter that that was the kind of trigger for him to say, "Right, I'm not playing at this." And he get serious about it. Went away, got himself suitably fit. Is it maybe just that recognition that? 
you need you still need to move it up another level to be a permanent fixture in the squad rather than just maintain the level that's got you there. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's a there's a line. So I, I don't know. I had a really good interview with Greg Robertson from the Celtic Academy, and you can access that in the the back catalogue uh, of the podcast. And Greg says talent and ability will get you to Celtic's academy. Your mindset and your approach is what will keep you there because there's so many talented kids that come through our academy. Hundreds, if not thousands in recent years, but how many actually go on to make it? And you made the point, Paddy, you know, is there an issue with our homegrown talent? And it was a kind of follow-up question to the original. Do homegrown players get a harder time than, you know, maybe a big name signing? And there's examples of James Forrest, right? Now one of only 30 players to score over 100 goals for the club. Has always split opinion and has always got a hard time. Maybe from folk in this room, maybe from someone speaking right now, maybe from the guy next to him. Um, Callum McGregor, now the club captain. Got a hard time at the start, and I, I've, got, I've got to put the hands up here. I didn't rate him at first. Got that one wrong. Um, and there's other guys, Mikey Johnson you've mentioned, Stephen Welsh, I was at a game a few weeks ago, can't quite remember which one, at Celtic Park. Motherwell. Yeah, and he was getting grief before the pass was even getting to him at times. He was having a, a poor game, uh, by all accounts, but that doesn't mean he, in fact, quite the opposite, it means he should get our support, you should be willing your players on to improve, and actually, in that game, there was passes that were making their way across the back line to him, and you could feel and hear the tension and the atmosphere. If that was, I don't know, the latest foreign signing and not Stephen Welsh, does that happen? Mm. I, I don't know. I, I'd say this potentially the opposite. So if you take someone like, say Bernabe, or hard to say Ralston now because he's more established, but say Ralston started last year and Bernabe say they were coming in at the same time, I probably really want Ralston to do well because it is your homegrown and it shows that you've done something right at the academy level I mean anyone pulling on a Celtic jersey I want to do well full stop but I certainly wouldn't give the Scottish guy a harder time than the international guy definitely not do you think as a general though and we can only speak for ourselves and, and we never profess to speak for other fans but do you think just you know from being at games and chatting to mates and different folks you know after games and whatever WhatsApp groups do you feel the Scottish lads get it quite tight I do I, I, I think I know where you're coming from on it I think there's more of a there's more of a risk for the club though in the sense that you know who we're going to play the young player that we've brought through and we've not really had to spend any money on other than the wages that are on just now or a two and a half three million pound player you know that you know we need to get, hopefully settle in very quickly if that was the argument you were kind of like bringing up for last season I think it's it's such a it's a fine grey area to be honest um, a lot of the Scottish players sadly don't get the opportunity though I, I find I, I kind of go back to I think Dyla at one point probably had the most Scottish players I've seen play in our starting eleven, And that was just down to circumstance. That was mm -hmm. when we were really, really reining in our money, making sure that we weren't uh, spending more than we needed to because the challenge just wasn't there in the league. The league was taking care of itself. And since then, I think Rodgers almost had maybe about five or six on average. But that's starting to kind of go down again. Mm-hmm. What we really need to be looking at, and it's a big factor for me, is that is this, this mentality that I'm kind of going back to, is that we should be making sure the young players are at least getting a run in at certain points of the season. But when that's been happening, the worry has came from the stands. I, I look at Stephen Welsh. I think the worry for Stephen Welsh, sadly, is that I, I generally, I just don't know if he's going to hit the, the level needed. I, I, that's my personal you, You're opinion. only saying that because he's Scottish. Aye. No, Scottish well, that, 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 I, I know where you're coming from, but I just think that there's so many times, you know, he's, he's, he looks just a little bit lost in the game. Mm -hmm. But then there was games, um, there was games last season where, you know, in, in the pre-season games, a handful of the young players that were coming in and you were like, yep, 
looks okay. Looks okay. I was actually even quite surprised to see Owen Moffat leave. I thought there's maybe something there, you know. I, that I, I think that's a, a general point on what's going on at Celtic and, and youth just now. There's obviously been some changes with McManus going and taking what he's learned in the first team into youth. I genuinely don't think we'll see a youth player break into the Celtic first team for about two years and, and establish and hold their, the ground because I think Angie's going in and saying, what we've got, Owen Moffat, case in point, who you thought, you know, maybe there's something there. He's saying it's not good enough. Okay. You know, we need to kind of almost start from scratch here because what we've got isn't producing and hasn't produced really for some time. You know, like talking about Dial and, and Rodgers and stuff. But in two, three years' time, you might see three or four coming in at a time because they're going to be driving them on the same pathway, playing the same football in the same format that Ange plays. I think you're going to see Rocco Vata coming through. Maybe. Um, yeah. But maybe he's quite unique. Maybe rather than one a season, one every two, three seasons, we need to see more of that. And obviously there was a huge disappointment at losing Ben Doak and I'm Real fed talent. up reading how well he's doing because yeah, it sticks yeah. in the throat that we lost him. Well, uh, he's, he's the obvious one, um, but I think Vata's got a real chance. Mm -hmm. um, the reason being that I think he's he's got that wee bit of extra pace um, the, the really, Doak would, would be similar to that as well They've got that, that wee bit of extra pace Doak, Doak really looks like he's Kind of You know He's got toned And, mm -hmm. and, and slimmed down a wee bit for he, was, he was at Celtic looks really really fit He'd absolutely um, lever you um, I don't doubt that um, But he is You know You can see You can see he's a talent Seen a few of the goals he scored Playing for Liverpool Just, just looks excellent But the, the point is Somebody like Welsh a lot, a lot of people I know go to the games with just say never a Celtic player not good enough. They've, they've made that conclusion on Welsh based on what they've seen to this point. Is there a huge body of evidence? I don't necessarily think so. You know, I, I don't think he's necessarily that consistent around the team. I think we we all came to the agreement at the start of the season that his fourth choice uh, centre half. We were we were happy enough with that. If he was happy enough with that, but. The, that then comes back to the question of mentality. Yeah. Are you are you then happy being the fourth choice? Not happy, half but I'm saying this is where I am now, and I'm going to drive like Ralston well, drove. That, that's that's right what back. I mean. That, is that what we're going to see from him? Is he going to have enough football for us to see that? You know, that, that that's all the questions that these throw up. Should he be first or second choice by now? Should we be expecting him to have shown that? What age is he? Welsh, twenty two, twenty three. So I would say yes. Mm -hmm. To be perfectly honest, or is it then a loan move to go away and say, right, well, you know, you'll need to really severely develop in the next twelve months? I wouldn't have been upset if he'd gone out on loan th this season. You know, and there was talk mm -hmm. of it, and obviously it was a bid for him to, you know, go to France. I think Toulouse and Udinese was, I think, in January, and then yeah. Toulouse was the summer. But I suppose just to bring it back to the original question, though, right? So the question is certainly challenging us in this room. You know, should we be giving players more time to succeed? And, and we've spoken about various examples there. And yeah, maybe when someone gets to 22, 23, it's like, mm, is that all the player they're going to be? I mean, what is Greg Taylor is here in about the same age? 22, 23. Some guys develop at different times and, and in different ways and at different rates. And some guys get more exposure at the first team and some guys need to bide their time. So you've got to take all that into consideration. I mean, to, to look at the finer detail of Tony Ralston that we've spoken about, he's been at Celtic since he was eight years of age. So the opposite of Greg Taylor's approach, you know, he's, he's been embedded in Celtic all his life. He made his debut over six years ago. So May 2016, that's a long time in, in football's bigger picture. And it was only last season that he, he became properly accepted and recognised as a, a player who could genuinely make an impact in the first team. I've got a further example, and I'm being a bit flippant about it, but Henrik Larsson, remember him, Miff? His very first action as a Celtic player, as I think we all know now, was to gift the ball to Chick Charlie Easter Road in a league opener back in August 1997. 
Charlie sticks it in the back of the net. Hibs beat his 2-1. First league game under Wim Janssen. It all worked out in the end for Wim Janssen, for Celtic and for Henrik Larsson, as we all know. But no doubt there's people who'll have watched that game and left Easter Road going, don't fancy this guy much. And <clears throat> it is a flippant example, but we're very, very quick to make judgments on a lot of these guys. Oh, that, but you know, that's the, the hand in hand. I mean, a, a football supporter, I think. I think we're allowed that. Um, and I, I know where you're coming from, obviously, Larson. Managed to kind of redeem himself a bit just. after that, just a bit. Um, 242 but, goals later. <laughs> no, I, I think that obviously it's just natural talking points that we have when it comes to football. The mentality I, I kind of that frustrates me, but then I catch myself doing it is when you're in the stands and you're talking about Stephen Welsh, um, one of his last starts. I remember just being a bit like, This is, uh, I'm, I'm waiting on a mistake and I'm waiting, I'm just being too slow on the ball and it, it, a lot of our midfield a lot of our, like our, our, uh, our wing bags and wingers were getting just basically shut down very very quickly because he just wasn't releasing it quick enough now whether that's a case of I'm, I'm not good enough to go and do that or it's a confidence thing if I make this wrong pass I'm, I'm going to have everyone down on top of me we need players that are just willing to make the mistakes you know that, that's, and I think they've got the right manager to, right. to do so but, you know Joe Hart being the most recent high-profile example when he made that big mistake in Leipzig, but then reverts and says, well, listen, the manager's asked me to do it and I will keep doing it. Yeah. And as long as they've got that, I don't know, safety net, if that's the right word, that the manager's saying, keep doing it, keep doing it, and keep getting it wrong because you'll get better. I mean, the last wee example on this one before we move on from this section is another example from the first team in the shape of Dyson Maeda. Lots of us, you and me again maybe, have already made our mind up on Dyson Maeda in terms of... I haven't made my mind up. Don't be bringing me into your nonsense. <laughs> don't, be, don't be dragging me into your nonsense. And then the, the point of age is just turned 25. Aye. You know, so you're, talk, you're talking about that developmental age of the other that, that we're discussing. He's moved to a new country. It's because he seems like a, just a wise young man, doesn't he? He's straight he expression and all that. But yeah, 25 years young, so just a kid really. And he, we also forget that he's less than a year and he's moved from Japan Aye. to the East End of Glasgow or wherever he's staying you know it's a it's a huge move and again the question is maybe I'm just thinking about myself but should we be providing more support for these guys yes but we we feel that we're in a league it's a bit of a pressure pot mm. um, 100% and I just think that we're maybe all just a wee bit up to high dough after last season because we were we didn't know what was going to happen and we won it and we just want to keep it ours again so I think as fans it's a bit of a, right, oh, right, let's keep doing this. But I totally agree with you. There just needs to be that wee, do you know what? What He might not score all the time, but what does he bring to the team? Um, I kinda, I was talking to the guys last week about even Leo Labada. They frustrate the life out of some. He doesn't, I, I, I love everything that he tries. I love everything that he's been doing lately. He's scoring. He's still scoring loads of goals. But still, some people will say, I don't think he's good enough. And I can get, the argument, he doesn't he, he doesn't beat a man, doesn't get a ball into the box, his crossing's not that good. At the end of the day, goals win your games and he's scoring. You yeah, know? Just, just jump on lane and look at his stats. And that's but, that, but that's the thing, we don't just jump on lane and look at his stats. No. We watch the, every minute of the 90 minutes these guys play and you pick up on everything. But again, Abada would be a good example of someone who is young, but I would say the vast majority of the support do give him time. But the reason for that is because he still scores... Aye. Aye. Regardless, I mean, his, his no, uh, right. uh, thinking back to the Motherwell game, he probably gave the ball away almost every time he had it, bar when he scored. <laughs> he scored two goals. And he was involved in the other two. Yeah. But again, that's Could someone... have with a hat trick. And, and didn't he really play well? But and you're just like, 
I think that that is what his quality is. Is that he just he a bit a bit like James Forrest? Did I say he will just pop up with a goal yeah. and assist? This, this is me for Saturday with Moy, and there's a wee bit of, and we'll all be guilty of it over the years. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when a player gets in your mind as somebody you don't fancy, then you see everything they do wrong and nothing they do right. Aye, it's a told you so. Game. Aye, so so Moy on, on Saturday, I thought he was slow, wasteful. And involved no four, four goals. I know, yeah. you know I, mean? I know, I know. Slow, wasteful, and pivotal to the win. <laughs> I just on on the full topic. That's a player I have to say. Like, I mean, a few weeks ago, I was just like, "It's another James McCarthy. Why have we brought him in? Give McCarthy a chance, or, or you know, what's what's the risk factor here?" Um, I, I have to say that he's he seems to be just slowly but surely just kind of getting up to match speed and and, and really putting a stamp on the games now. Whether that's for Australia's benefit, I don't know. We'll see how he is after the World Cup, but I'm more than happy to re- yeah. take Sand for that just now. I think we all stand to benefit from it, and that's, oh, that's the way that'll go. But listen, it's a it's an interesting debate, yeah, and it's a good definitely. one for us to start off with, and and it could rumble on, and we could do a full show on it. But it's interesting just to hear the various kind of you know points that you lads make on the various players and and where we're all at. And at the end of the day, Paddy, you're right. You want to be patient. You also want to win. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your mentality as a Celtic fan. So, yep, a debate that will rumble on. Um, moving forward, so we continue this week with our mystery Celt feature, and as I said at the top of the shop, I think I've been making it too easy for you, Muff. I think you did. You get it after one clue last week with Nakamura. Well, just to just to add a bit of context here, um, I'm an avid listener of Heart Dance in Sorry? the mornings. Heart Dance um, FM. A, I have a 98 percent strike rate at the One Beat Challenge. Yeah. So yeah, boom. Yeah, this like morning it, it was. Technotronic, bump up the jam. Good show. Got it. Got it. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Got a wee bit <laughs> off topic here. <laughs> but I'm backing myself. Aye. First clue. Confident. So you're obviously on form today. You've had a good start to the I've. day, and we'll see if you've had a good finish. Paddy, you were the, the winner a couple of weeks prior. You nailed Samaras. First clue as well. After one clue. James, you're the only one in here with it, a victory. It's two absolute stalwarts. It's two absolute <laughs> Celtic. Uh, I don't know, what would you call someone? Aficionados? Aficionados. Like historians? That. I like that. You can take that. A couple I'll of club historians here. So, Cut that. <laughs> here, uh, here comes the clues for today. So clue number one. James, don't be looking at my notes here. Uh, clue number one, I've scored a league winning goal for Celtic. That's, That's it. it. That's all you're getting. So if you get it after this, delighted for you. And also, who's, who's hacked my computer? Right. Uh, so keep in mind that feel free to fire in as many guesses as you want because they'll get bleeped out. You want to have a guess, buddy? Nah. Oh, just holding it. Clue number two. I scored a hat trick on the day Raphael Scheidt made his debut for Celtic. So that gave you a bit of context context in terms of when this guy was around. Now you joking me? And Raphael Scheidt in the same team? No, it'll be far away. Okay. That's no far away. Raphael Shay made his debut in March 2000. Oh, that's yes, me. Yeah. You've fallen out of this. Ready? You've fallen out of this Celtic official chat. I'm going. Unless I'm right. I think you're right. Uh, clue number three. Right, wait to the end. Clue number three. I've been capped seven times for England's under 21s, scoring two goals. All in agreement. I'll not reveal uh, if, if anyone's been right or not, but anyway. Can you can't see if you forget the right answer. Well played. <laughs> it's the other, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, you threw me off it. 
No tell me if it was right, the right one. Anyway, um, if you're listening at home and you think you know the answer, tweet us at Celtic Exchange using the hashtag Mystery Cell. And for everyone who gets it right, Miff will personally come into your house and give you a nice friendly high five. Any you, Miff? You're a nice man, so... Am I getting reimbursed for my fuel? Absolutely not. No, keep your receipts, give them to James. <laughs> sort out for you. Cost of living crisis, no chance. Yeah. Moving on again, uh, this next section is our first ever listeners question section, and this one comes from Mazar Yusuf. Mazar's from Edinburgh, and he's been a, a subscriber of the Celtic Exchange Plus since the start. So, Mazar, thanks for being the first to get involved here. Cheers, your place in the Celtic Exchange history books is now firmly locked in as the very first listener to take part in this section of the show. So, Mazar asks, with the introduction of VAR this weekend, it's clear that the implementation and usage hasn't got off to the best of starts. At what stage does Celtic, either publicly or privately, call out Scottish football's governing body on these issues, as well as some of the abysmal refereeing we've seen recently? James. Um, I mean, if, if you look at it from a, an organisational perspective, first and foremost, and the drive to promote transparency and fairness and all these things, and standards. So we were just debating amongst a few of us earlier on today about was a badder on or offside. VAR should take that right out of your hands. There should be no debate there. There's the lines. There he's off or there he's on. So I think, I think that's the first flaw is that they haven't managed to bring in the right level of VAR or the right system of VAR if we can't establish that. So that, that's, that's, that's a mistake for a start. If they are going to make poor calls like they did with the handball on Saturday, where, where does Celtic stand in terms of having the right to the footage or the the the, um, the communication between Walsh and McLean in the in the studio. So tell us what you talked about. Tell us how you arrived at that decision. Give me the tapes. Give me I, give me the tapes. I, I do, hear what was doogie there. doogie. Give me the tapes. Tell tell me what you spoke about. Tell me how you possibly arrived at that call because it is wildly wrong. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Sorry, I'm have to interrupt. Let's look at the VAR decisions from Saturday's game, just in isolation against Hearts. And you can let me know, as a general, what you agree and disagree with. So the major talking points, obviously. Ralston's goal chopped off. Potentially a foul by Jack Amakis. Ref blows up early. No. Okay. Shouldn't, shouldn't blow up anywhere there is or not. No, it's not, it's not a foul. It okay. is not a foul. And we'll skip on. Hearts penalties times two. Any issues with Carter Vickers or Jens bringing down? Both penalties. No. Bo- both penalties without any need for VAR, I would say. Yeah. Um, Celtic's penalty claim, the big one, the Michael Smith handball. The even Bobby Madden says is a penalty on his Instagram. Generally, when a defender tries to hide his arm behind his back, <laughs> yeah, the body that's, that's pretty much a clue that he has deliberately manoeuvred his hand in front of the ball. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And I've seen actually a, f- a few guys I'm friendly with Celtic fans say, no, no, it's never a penalty. What? I, I, really? I, Is that the same I, guy that didn't like Ange? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, I, I just, it's, it's a penalty. It, it, he moves his hand towards the ball. Aye. He knows exactly what he's it's doing. It's not a natural it's a movement. Yeah. It's not a natural movement. I think penalty. if you're unsure at all if it was a penalty... Have a look at Mick Smith's face. Aye. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> he was just saying, this is a penalty. Try to was, chop his arm off. It was, it was <laughs> a handball. Plug into what? the stand. What a hand? What a hand are you talking about? I've got a hand. Um, Jeez, oh. And the last major point was, the, as you mentioned there, James, the Abada goal that got called offside. Now, I think it may have been offside. I also think it may have been onside. But as you say, James, where's the, where's the, the video evidence and, and the pictures that give you the binary answer? He's off or he's on. We, you know, there's the lines, let's see it. We have went down the barras and bought the cheap Aye. edited version of VAR. It doesn't even have goal line technology. I think it's going to cause so many issues James, in this you, league. You called it VAR light and it, and it seems to be. I'm all for 
getting far in if you're doing it right and executing it right. If you're doing it by half, which it kind of feels like we are, then it's not not the way. Do, do we know why the all singing, all dancing lines were brought out for the heart school, but not a bad? So that's nothing to do with VAR. That's Sky. So Sky are showing that, and you can maybe just call it their coverage on that, but that's not VAR who's provided that. Or th- th- this is Bobby Madden's chat on it. Bobby, friend of the show, apparently. Aye. So he's come out on his Instagram, and obviously he's down south now, so he's out the hotbed of Glasgow and, and you know, Scottish football in general. Good. So he's, he's given some opinions, and he says... The, VAR, the lines are always there for VAR So Stephen McLean and whoever was working alongside him They do have them They have them and it's up to the broadcaster to show them or not So for some reason Sky have chosen not to show them Why wouldn't you show them? It's, surely it's part of the whole spectacle and the entertainment But I believe that they've chosen not tenors to bet, Tenors bet Like obviously what we see in the Premier League Sky will have some investment in the company that run VAR for the Premier League But they'll have nothing to do with the SFA's version I, I, I swear it'll be something like that and they'll say, no, we're not showing the pictures, we'll show our, show our own. Because bear in mind, when it first came out, you were actually seeing the boy muck about with a line and the measurements and everything. On <clears throat> live TV, this is what the referees are looking at. Yeah, mm-hmm. We're not going to get that treatment. Sky just don't have the interest to do that. So even while they were reviewing Carter Vickers' penalty, which took a while, mm-hmm. and it's new tech, so I appreciate they don't want to jump at stuff and get stuff wrong, even though they, they did a couple of occasions. I can understand them taking that time, but see if you're watching a game in England, I don't watch a lot of Premiership football, but if you are, whilst that that discussion is going on between the refs, Sky are showing it or whoever BT are showing it, and you go, oh, I see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. We've probably had it ourselves, you know, with um, European VAR and stuff like that. But you're just left staring at nothing on the screen whilst all this is going on. Yeah. Just show us what you're doing. Yeah. It's, it's time to get the kettle on. You've got five minutes to no bother. Go and get the tea on and get the, the Mars bars on. Just to go back to my original question, um, I think the club need to be firm early on this. And the reason being that you don't want to be the guy that's easy to say no or easy just to kind Aye, of and pa- run pass away. Imagine, just imagine, this had happened to the other club in Glasgow. Mm, just aye. imagine. That would be off. It would, it would be a national day of mourning yeah. and there would be folk not allowed to go to their work until this matter had been resolved. No, yeah. you, you're laughing, but they would absolutely bring out yeah. the big guns on this. Yeah. And and this is where sometimes we're just a wee bit too passive. We need to get on the front foot with it. And, and I know people will be watching this and say, you won the game anyway. That, that's not the point. That's the best time to do it. The, po- the point in this is, I mean, as a separate issue, Jack and Marcus, in my opinion, is refereed to a different standard Ridiculously than, than, than any, anyone else. And it seems to be carte blanche to be as physical as you can with him. The minute he makes even the remotest, remotely slightest bit of contact with, with a defender... A defender knows when Jack Marcus is in his area that he just has to fall and a, a foul will be given against him. There is absolutely no doubt about it. The Hearts player actually initiates the contact with Jack Marcus, then him, spin, yeah. spins round and falls to the ground. It is not a foul. Jack Marcus's hand on Snodgrass, he, I, I can see why that right. would maybe be deemed as a foul. It's so minimal and if you watch the, the games in England at the weekend, that sort of thing is, is never getting pulled. So again, it's not a foul. The refs blow too early. He's made a mess of it. I think my age has run into an obviously position is deliberate. That's a pre-planned yeah, yeah. routine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've completely done the Hearts defence, but the referee's already blown the whistle, which is that's where the error is on that, but it is most definitely not a foul. Yeah. Um, I so, think he's got a, ho- a hoodie's jersey, my fag. It's nah, a foul. It's not grass. It's not grass. It's inconsequential. Yeah, there's there's it's no not, change in Snodgrass's body movement. It's not a foul. Do we get penalties for that? Hmm? Do we get penalties no for that then? No, no, I know what you no. mean. I know, but, no, but is that the standard now for the season? We're getting penalties for that level of shirt grabbing. If, if that's been given, absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. no, no. Do you think we'll get that? No, no chance. I think obviously 
where it's been kind of no, probably the other side. No, I know what you're saying in, in an attacking sense. Yeah, if if it's a fellow on Jack and Marcus, probably not. Fellow, but no, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, is that he's got a hold him. Tell you what, <laughs> wasting too much time uh-huh. on that. <laughs> we can take yourself here. Right. Moving back to things, uh, Matt, you made the point about you know when they Celtic call this out and the fact that other individuals or bodies within Scottish football would be up in arms about something like this. I want to look back the way at Crawford Allen coming out. Greeting his eyes out last year when Kyogo scored that a marginal goal against Hearts and I still, still don't know if that was offside or not. Again, like of likes of Abada uh, from the weekend. I don't know if Kyogo was onside or offside at that moment, moment in time because we don't have the lines. But Crawford Allen would have you believe in that he was one million percent offside and, and he almost came out to apologise to Scottish football and as you say, if it was borderline demanding a national inquiry as to as to how this had happened. And I suppose what I want to know is where is Crawford Allen this morning or somebody of his ilk to come out and explain some of the things that happened yeah. why not come out and say here's what happened with that handball Nick got on the radio to Stephen Welsh is it Stephen Welsh? Stephen McLean, Stephen McLean. Yeah, Stephen sorry Stephen Welsh he said I had enough time today <laughs> Nick Walsh gets on the, the blower or the, or the mic to Stephen McLean and says right where are we at on this one you know can, can Crawford Allen or somebody that's looking after VAR share what happened because the whole point of VAR is that you've got more you know transparency and, and none of this cloak and dagger stuff you know and there are, there are conspiracy theories and John Hartson and uh, Chris Sutton have come out and kind of, you know, made their points this weekend. But until we see this transparency, that will always be the case. And that's it. You know, where you leave a vacuum, people will fill in with their own answers. And there's no need for it because you can come out and just explain quite clearly what's happened. And the problem is when they come out and explain quite clearly what's happened, they need to put their hands up and say we made a mistake. Aye. And they are terrible at that. I they just don't do it. No. It's a bit, it's a bit Trump-esque, isn't it? Just... Aye. Double down and all that nonsense. I'm just surprised Crawford Allen doesn't want to come and, you know, be honest about it. He sounds like a good selling man. <laughs> but even, even looking at it as well, though, that they're not going to say anything. I think what they're delivering to is is a very very shoddy product. And what we've seen elsewhere, six out of the twelve teams have screens in the stadium, so the fans just have to wait until the referee makes a decision. Um, well, like I said earlier, with no goal line technology, any of the top teams because of cost. It's just how poorly our league's getting run, I, as per usual. I think it, it is a substandard product by the looks of it, and it is var light, to use your term, James, but the the microphones between McLean and Walsh were working, and their video screens were working, and there's no reason why they couldn't, between them, come to the right call on that. The, the biggest issue for me with the, the Michael Smith handball was how quickly they decided not to look at it. Not to go and see it. And how yeah. quickly. Because that's... I was chatting to you, Muff, in the post-match. <clears throat> if Stephen McLean doesn't think it's a penalty, he can still say... Nick, I don't think it's a penalty, but you might want to have a wee jog up here and look at the screen and make your own mind on M- it. The, maybe he did. The man sitting, doing it. You're right, but the transparency isn't there. The man sitting in the VAR room gave a foul <clears throat> for a winger beating a man mm-hmm. the week before. Yeah. You know, incompetent is not the word. I know it's it's pushing into the kind of paranoid Tim kind of thing, but the only reason you don't give that penalty on Saturday is because you don't want to. Simple as that. A separate point, and, and someone else contacted us to ask, and it kind of follows on from Mazar's original question, is that Ange Postacoglu doesn't get drawn at all, ever, on refereeing decisions. Should he? Uh, what I would say is, I think his body language in the past few games has suggested that he's he, changing. He wants he's, to get involved. Well, he's, he's, he's making clear his, his feelings without. Because what you need to remember is, interviewers, I always find this fascinating, even down south. Interviewers bait the managers into answering yeah. questions that get them banned. That's a headline. Right? That That is what they do. So in many ways, it's the interviewers that, that are baiting the managers, right. and the managers then come across as almost like they're being a bit arsy if they, if they don't answer the question directly back. 
Andrew's very clever at just kind of brushing that aside, but I think you see by his behaviour on the side of the park, you can see decisions he is and isn't happy with. I think he's just been quite clever. I don't necessarily think it's Andrew's job to come out and get yourself a three-match ban or a hefty fine by weighing right in I think on the, the day of a game. I think spot on. I think he's been very, very clever about it. Um, his comments the other day said that, you know, I, I've heard a lot of managers in this league didn't mention anything about the referees. I just thought he's ah, he's, he's yeah. so switched on. Um, he's a wide isn't he? I, he is <laughs> a wide I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I heard every manager and a lot of managers in this league have said that we get that we get these decisions all these time all all the time. And he says, "Well, have a look at stuff like this today." And, and we'll, we'll just, just go penalties in training. We only get penalties in training. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the last question, Paddy, and I'll stay with you for this one. So. If Celtic do feel aggrieved, how should they take their case forward? Should it be something public, you know, via social media where they've got the the platform to make a lot of noise about this and make the SFA, you know, pretty uncomfortable and apply a bit of pressure? Or is there something that's best addressed privately in-house between someone like Michael Nicholson and the SFA? Um, no, I, I, I think public is, is fine uh, with something like this. It, it basically sets how we're feeling from the get-go. It's obviously been its first week. And listen, obviously, any... Any football fan would allow something like this to, to breathe a little bit and, and let it settle in. But there's a reason why we're sitting talking about it. And there's a reason that these things happened in our game. And that's why we're talking about it. And that's why we get drawn into these things. Yes. Yeah. I, I said it was a last week question. I'm going to ask another question to you. <laughs> Livingston's Morgan Boys saw his yellow card upgraded to a red VFR in the closing stages of their game at Ibrox at the weekend. Was that the correct call? To Greg Aiken in the VAR room, who is a known... Rangers fan. It, the strangest thing for me was um, it seemed to be that it was Tavernier said to who's the ref again? Don't know. Yeah, the ref. Um, that's annoying. Uh, it said to him, "I think you want to have a look at that in VAR," and that's only then he went across to the to the screen kind of thing. But he also going on about his rip sock. It's just contact sport, and it was a foul, all right. But you see the way the boy turns into, and with the assistance of VAR, you can see that. There's zero malice in the challenge at all. He's just turned into it, went for the ball, didn't get it, took the man, and it's an easy, easy booking and nothing more than that. I think if you see those types of tackles upgraded to reds, then we're going to be playing eight aside yeah. for too long. Yeah. And you just wonder where it stops. There was a video doing the rounds uh, that Gordon Duncan narrated on Friday, Thursday, Friday, saying, here's when VAR will get involved and explain the various situations. It just seems that it got a wee bit too involved there on Saturday. Dev wanted a challenge on Jens, which is... Uh, early, early doors. Broadly and, and Andy Walker says it's because uh, of the weather. Well, he's just half a guy because of the weather. Bro Jeez, broadly I'm similar. Not happy with this. Yeah. Maybe, maybe catches him a bit lower, to be fair, if, if I'm being completely fair. But he's out of control. Out of yeah. control, off yeah. the ground, studs up. Yeah. Last point I'll make on it and tell me you know, what your lads think in terms of this as an approach. I think Celtic should be doing this privately. Maybe they already have. You know, Maybe Michael Nicholson or whoever takes care of those things that Celtic has spoken to, to Crawford Allen or whoever deals with it from the SFA's point of view. To express Celtic's um, concern over how things have been applied. And not just uh, VAR, this was the first weekend of VAR, and listen, you're going to have teething problems. Celtic had a shocking performance, you know, at the hand of Stephen McLean the week prior. It's not just VAR refereeing, it's, it's a number of decisions that have gone against Celtic in recent weeks. But I think Celtic should have the conversation privately, but then release something, you know, a statement on the website or whatever, to say, we have asked these questions. Because you can't just keep it all in the dark and... and have your fans, you know, second guess on what yeah, you're doing. I, I, I would take that approach myself, but have the statement of we've asked these questions and we look forward to working with the officials to the betterment of Scottish football for everyone. And it's kind of a wee bit snide and stuff like that, but you're just saying we're on you, you know, we're not letting it go, and you're telling the fans we're on them. Don't worry about it. 
the beauty of it all is at the end as well three points I know raging like it raging just a wee, a wee snidey bit yeah, yep. just getting your bit <laughs> so if you want to join the debate and submit your question for the guys to debate in next week's show you can do so via email uh, to myself directly so that's tino at the celticexchange.com or by leaving a voicemail via our website by clicking the green microphone icon on any page of the site I know Muff you're blown away by that technology oh. it's like our own version of our Muff we've got our own oh. stuff going on no. Um, be sure to include your name and location alongside your question and you could play your part in next week's show and thanks again to Mazar for his question this week a very good, good question, one to yeah. get us started final section of the show and as part of the new format each week we'll be asking one of the team here to pick out something of interest that they've either watched read or listened to in the world of Celtic media that they then recommend to our listeners so James is here for that this week and he's been catching up on something that will likely be of interest to most of us at the moment James what's your shout for the week? So it's the We Never Stop the review of last season DVD and it's funny how quickly you forget how much of a season that was and, and everything that was involved in it. It was, oh, it had everything in it as, as a football season but the DVD does really well to capture it all. You know, I'll give you some highlights so it's probably the best way to do it. While you're doing that I'll give you the tagline. So it's We Never Stop Celtic's relentless pursuit of silverware in the 2021-22 season under new manager Ange Postacoglu. What were the highlights James? So a few things, so one really interesting one was he keeps himself off camera, Michael Nicholson, you know, we don't see a lot of him and he was, you know, peppered throughout the, the, the footage. He just comes across as very level-headed, very calm, 100% a Celtic fan, you know, just really, you could you'd feel he spoke like fans speak and we didn't maybe see as much of that in the past. Do you know I've played fives with Mick Nicholson? I thought you might bring that up. The man is a fine goalkeeper, big guy, good goalie, but yeah. separate story, separate show. Uh, so Nicholson came across really well in it and good to see a bit of exposure for him um, the second was re-watching Ralston Ross County it was just and he, uh, him talking over the goal and other guys Parry just told me he was, he was talking about the goal and how his granda says I watch it all the time with your granny and he's it turns out his, his grandfather just passed away last week so ever more poignant and your know, condolences to, to all the family there but it, 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 that was a real emotional point of the of the DVD kind of thing um, you get a bit more insight into how Ange sets out his team and how he preps them for maybe any game but for big games and there was a media room sit down with all the team and Ange with the big screen talking them through how we're going to approach this and it was, wasn't just about tactics it was a bit of that but it was about mentality and you know, strength of mind and all these kind of things really really interesting insight there um, so just how Ange communicates with his players Dies it and surprised me by saying, you know, I've known him from, you know, Yokohama, Yokohama and all that kind of stuff. He said, for me, he's like a father to me. Oh, I was just half Dyson. He does. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, I'm, um, I'm reviewing my stance on Dyson as we speak. Well, exactly. <laughs> I think that's where I came away from either. Um, it's, they're talking about, you know, if, if we lose a goal or if we score a goal, nothing changes. It's pure performance and it's just that mentality. I talked to my dad about it earlier season. It's like, you know, if we go, behind to Madrid when that game was coming up it's like I don't think Celtic's players they don't change their approach just because you've lost a goal it's the same job you've got to do as before you didn't mm -hmm. lose a goal or after you scored a goal that was interesting like that. Rogic beat on in focus that was hard especially Rogic I think you but, know was it the big farewell speech aye all of that it, it, it was more just the speeches were pretty ropey to be honest with you it was more just they're coming off and coming on the park kind of stuff you know the, the last game of the season and then just it's all about team spirit. When you see the dressing room, the, the way they interact with each other and the players, and it's everyone is for everyone. It's phenomenal. Couldn't recommend it highly enough. Now, I know there's a lot of kind of like different ways to watch that uh, that show, if you like. If you do happen to watch a different way, 
chuck a tenant at the foundation or something like that because it's yeah. it's well worth the money. You can, you can get it legally online or in store at the Celtic <laughs> shop for a tenner, um, but it does seem to be doing the rounds. But that's uh, that's not for us to say. I mean, James, you, you make the point, but only a number of months away from the the huge successes of last season. And but if it's easy to forget just how special a season it was, and it's good to have those reminders. Well, you know, I just think back to the podcast we were doing pre-season um, when we didn't know who was coming in, when we didn't know who was going. We, to we did an Eddie Howe podcast. Oh, Eddie Howe, I mean, all, all those things. Um, yeah, uh, it'll, be inter- it'll be an interesting watch, watch back again. But the, I think the feeling was um, that the League Cup final victory for me was a was a really big, was a really big moment. You felt that was the that was the team you could you could just see the. Like you say, the team spirit, the, the cohesion there. So, I look forward to that. I've, I've no doubt Brilliant. that Santa will be will be dropping that <laughs> off somewhere in the Smith household at some point. Maff, I'm going to remind you the titles of two of the shows that you and I done. I don't know if Paddy and James were involved at that time. I think you've waited for some success. Uh, yeah. well, I, joined, I joined in the May. But, but Maff, a couple of titles. Um, <laughs> first one was How You Like Me Now, as Eddie Howe was just about to take the job. And that's the next one's even worse. Take a walk on the wilder side as Chris, oh, as well. Chris Wilder was going to come in. And wait, wait, Enzo Maresca as well. Enzo Maresca was it? Maresca uh, as well, aye. And who was the Irish fella that was going to be the Fergal Harkins? All these names are making me shudder, but no. But it, it sounds like a good watch. And um, as I was saying there, Paddy, just there's some there's so many highlights from that season, isn't there? There is uh, again. Just it was a bit. Of a, I wouldn't say a roller coaster. I, I felt that you know. The first half we were a bit, you know, I can remember the early shows with yourself, Miff, you're like, if we're in touching distance by Christmas, I'll be happy, and if we're, if we're five points in it for Christmas, I'm happy. If we're top of the league at Christmas, I'm happy. <laughs> it just kind of kept getting there, and then, uh, oh, I just... It just tells you this wee guy's never happy. Oh, he's not, no, no, no. He, he's getting there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just a great okay, season, no. an incredible season, and just... Uh, Aye, I'll need to sit down and watch that as well, and I will, I will buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like something, yeah, <laughs> something well worth catching. Uh, Maff, we're not even being paid for this promotion by Celtic Retail. No, we are absolutely no, no. plugging no. this big time. But yeah, definitely worth catching. So thanks to James for the, the recommendation there. Um, just as we start to wrap up the show, so a couple of wee bits and bobs of news um, doing the rounds today. And very positive news, Jot has been included in Portugal's provisional 55-man squad for the World Cup. Now, there's every chance he won't make the final cut, but... It's a huge boost for him to know that his country's aware of what he's doing here in Scotland and they're keeping tabs on him and, and there might be an opportunity for him uh, at some point down the line. Jot himself and Starfelt are still um, not quite ready for, for this week's game, so they're both back in training but won't make the game against Shakhtar and the weekend will remain to be seen. And a, and a good bit of news, a positive bit of news as well, uh, Celtic have invited a number of UK, Ukrainian children along uh, to be mascots at the game against Shakhtar Donetsk uh, this week. And several hundred tickets have also been given to those currently resettling in Glasgow. So I think that's a, a really nice touch by the club. Brilliant. Paddy, your final thoughts in general just now. So obviously, you know, going back to football matters, we opened up a four-point lead at the top at the weekend. Are you pleased with the recent form that we've picked up? Yes, because I think um, September was... Um, you know, September coming into October we were a wee bit not worried, but just a bit cautious about how how things were going. The 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 free flow natural football that we've been playing in August was kinda slowing up a little bit. Injuries were kinda starting to to pick up as well. But um I remember the St Mirren game and we were all just a bit like disillusioned with the six changes and we were a bit unsure about the players that were in the fringes and, and just Known that they were going to be so important in this month of October. We're now coming to the end of October and these boys are getting a run in and they're, they're playing 
really, really well. So it's great to see. Uh, and I'm excited just for the running up to the World Cup as well. Yeah, it's a great time to pick up form. So 14 goals in the last three games. I think we've got four league games and two Champions League games remaining before that World Cup break. And there's a real, there will be a real focus internally to just go and, and kick on there and, and get those results. James, from your point of view, are you, are you loving the VAR and are you excited for more of the same in the weeks ahead? VAR can only get better, can it? Um, well, no, it can get worse. It can it definitely can. get worse. Um, VAR at the spaghetti had against Livy, that'd be interesting. So, um, yeah, that, we've got to, like Anne says, we've got to make that a sideshow, not the show. And we do that by playing our football. And and we will do that. You know, they're, they're playing really, really well. The, the St. Martin thing, six changes. I think Angie's learned a bit from that. Yeah, so yeah. even that team that went out on Saturday against Hearts, you're like, that is a change. To, to our discussion earlier on, it's not strictly our strongest 11, but we need to make changes, you know, to, to get through this, this period of games. And I think Angie's learned a wee bit that six is too many, you know. So blend it a wee bit. Right. Played some guys in the uh, League Cup against Motherwell and stuff. So... But with those games comes better form from the slightly fringe players as well. So it makes that whole squad stronger. And I think we're, all, we're going to benefit from that in this run. Yeah. Said it before, I'll say it again, James, you win or you learn. And that's win the learn, approach yeah. that Angie and his players take. My final word of the show goes to you. I, I can't let this pass without mentioning the fact that I've seen loads of rumours online that some of the Rangers fans are banging the drum for Davey Martindale to be the new gaffer. That's amazing, isn't it? I'm into that like you wouldn't believe. Eh... Uh, it's it's interesting. I'll say that is. it's interesting. Um, plus, I think um, <coughs> before any any mockery, we should wait to the weekends out the way because he's he's managed to turn us over previously. But but we'll, we'll, uh, what kind of foot would, would you want that kind of football every week, man? Well, it depends. I'm a much wanted coach, apparently. It's not hugely different for what they're playing now. I know, no, well, I know. true. But um, I would love it. I would yes. <laughs> I would, I would cheer me up in the wind. The I'm 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 very happy because that was a really tough run of fixtures that we had. Even if you just think of the last three domestic fixtures we had between Hibs, Motherwell, and Hearts, that those are three difficult games that we've come through with flying colours, scored a lot of goals, looked really threatening. And the the involvement of the squad from the St Mirren game, like, like Paddy referenced, is that it looks like a lot more players have become more reliable since then. Played themselves into form just because they've seen more minutes on the pitch. So. Yeah, it, we just need to kind of get through now until the, the break before the, the World Cup and I've got every confidence that we will. Um, bring it on. Bring it on. I love it, man. That's become your new catchphrase. No, <laughs> buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> buckle up and bring it on. Buckle up and bring it on. I like Last words, buddy. Uh, um, I just don't kind of what, uh, what Jamie was saying there about um, Anthony Nelson's grandfather. Just uh, a massive shout out to the family and just thinking about he's all there as well. Um and just wish you all the, all the best. Yeah, nice words, Paddy, and a Cheers, nice way guys. to finish off. So that's us for the first episode in the brand new format of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. We'd love to hear what you think, so let us know on Twitter, or you can email me directly at tino at thecelticeexchange.com with any thoughts or comments. And if you're enjoying the show, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we'll have our pre- and post-match episodes for subscribers on the Celtic Exchange Plus this week, as Celtic prepare to face Shakhtar Donetsk and Livingston, and you can visit the Celtic Exchange supercast.com to get signed up for that but in the meantime for myself Miff, James and Paddy thanks for listening and we'll see you again very soon
Social Podcast Network.